0: Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed
1: podcast. I am so happy to have with us Carol Ward. Carol, I'm going to ask you if you will take a moment and just for the first minute give your biographical story—give where you were born, where you lived, etc., and where uh, your ministry. So just give the first minute or two minutes about who you are, and then we want to jump in and learn about South Sudan and Africa. And then I'm so eager. We had you on before, a year and a half or so ago. And uh, I remember we all we got off that call and we all looked at each other and went, whoa, we gotta get her back. That took mm-hmm. us an hour and a half to do that. The issues of spiritual warfare. So Carol, first of all, welcome to the World Prayer Network. And just give us an overview of your life and then we're gonna jump right into topics.
0: Amen. Thank you, Jim. It's an honor to be here. I am third generation missionary. Uh, My grandparents were 30 years in China, great prayer warriors, and were taking POWs during um, the war that that hit with uh, communism coming in. So Watchman Nee came up in their home. Little Flock Church was birthed there. Then my parents in the the Philippine jungles with Wycliffe Bible uh, translators Uh, Is really where I learned prayer and spiritual warfare because it wasn't a matter of choice. It was a matter of life and death and survival. So there's a lot of terrorism and and ISIS even happening today in Mindanao. But that was my upbringing. And uh, today uh, I am in South Sudan, speaking from Florida, but but I live in South Sudan. That's my permanent address. And I've been there for 20 years. And uh, watching God work mightily into the 1040 window through raising up an indigenous army through prayer.
1: Tell people just uh, it, take one more minute and just des- uh, uh, describe the country of South Sudan, a little bit of its history overview, and then we'll go we'll go for the content.
0: Amen. South Sudan uh, is one of the newest nations of the world, maybe the newest nation, but um, through Islamic domination, Uh, from the Middle East because of the richness of resources in that part of the country they've had a civil war for 62 years to um, overthrow uh, Islamic domination now this is the uh, national uh, South Sudanese people who are the Kushite people the overflow of the Kushites the Bible talks about from Ethiopia and so they've become the the uh original nationals of that nation. And then um the Middle East came in because of the oil. And so there's has there been been this internal war for for all of these years uh, against um the 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 regime of, of Islam, terrorism, darkness, that kind of thing. And God favored this small nation, um, I won't say small, but Arabic speaking nation, in the victory. Overthrowing uh, the regime of Islam. And so they know that their divine destiny is to take Jesus to the Arabic speaking world. Because I don't know of another nation in the world, I may be wrong, but I haven't ever heard of one that is Arabic speaking, but not Arab dominated. And so now we have the freedom and liberty to equip the Arab speaking believers radically and aggressively to get the gospel. Uh, forward into Arabic nations meaning northern Africa uh, the 1040 window and then into the Middle East similar to the underground church in China having a vision of taking Jesus through the Middle East back to Israel
1: help people understand just the geography and a little bit more on the demographics the size of South Sudan how would it compare with a section of the U.S. or some state in the U.S. and then what's the proximate population and what popula- what part of the population? is actually a christian and what percentage is is uh, say muslim well
0: i'm taking a a kind of a guess because you can put all of america right in into africa and it doesn't even reach the borders around of the horn of africa where the whitest part is so i would say south sudan might be in the neighborhood of um um maybe half of texas or two-thirds of texas something like that and um Quite a few million people. I'm not accurate on the on the population because the war and even now the tribal wars. The, they've not done a census in a long time, and people are very nomadic, so it's very difficult to to guess. Uh, capital city Juba uh, probably has two to four million uh, people. That's that's a wide range, obviously, and I'm and I'm guessing. Now the media will tell you that South Sudan is a Christian nation. That's a very misguiding terminology because they use the word christian in the media meaning they're non-islamic dominated so if something isn't islam dominated or maybe communism then it's thrown into the category of christian but it could be unreached it could be pagan occult whatnot so i would say it's probably uh one-third um what we would term maybe gospel exposed and uh, and two thirds not so. There's a lot of unreached people groups there, but many, many more unreached people groups, of course, in the northern countries of Africa, farther into the ten forty window.
1: Okay, just tell us about your ministry, what you actually do there, um, if you want to cover kind of what you've been through and being in a country torn in war yes. for so long, and uh, some of the threats and situations you face. And then just walk us right into spiritual warfare. I just want to turn you loose because last time you were on, uh, it was breathtaking what we were learning from you. So just go for it, Carol. I'm not going to bother to ask questions unless I need to break into okay. this talk from your heart and, and, and help us understand what you, what you face there and then teach us about spiritual warfare.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, it has been a a land of much, much war. And I went in 20 years ago in the midst of this war, actually in northern Uganda, with just a burden to pray. Because I'm very, very... aware as we are as believers that prayer is the power of heaven and was for the New Testament church and they expanded wildly and rapidly and in an accelerated way because of daily prayer corporate daily prayer and then we've seen God uh, move mightily through 2nd Chronicles seven fourteen prayer movements of repentance and I can honestly say over these 20 years not only um, have we watched and lived in the miraculous but we've watched God shift governments we've watched um, history being made in in front of our eyes we've watched dictators of 30 years removed after we have a, a national prayer gathering of 77 hours in the stadium in the capital cities which we still do now so when I moved into the nation and what are m- right
1: there seven 77 hours long in a stadium of people praying
0: yes yes so once a year we rent the main stadium in the capital city and we've done this in gulu and now we do it in juba so both countries as well and um, we put it on the radio and we have 40 days of prayer and fasting prior to um to even holding the one week in the stadium. And we have prayer chains that are unbroken 24 hours a day. Churches each take a day and take a turn and until 40 days are covered with fasting. And then we begin the week in the stadium. So that's on television, radio, everything. And we prepare for months before. So when we meet in the stadium for 11 hours a day, seven full days, it is a call to lift up the word of God And to hold his word over the nation so what god will give us a topic and then we break down into 11 passages of scripture per day and different prayer leaders will read a passage of scripture and then pray for 40 45 minutes for the nation according to the word of god and we do that for 11 hours each day intermingled with worship for seven full days at the end of these national prayer gatherings we're seeing history changed Ebola had come into the to the nation and it's gone it's eradicated in Uganda and in 2007 same thing when Ebola came in God eradicated it we finished a prayer gathering in Juba national prayer gathering now mind you we don't just wait for once a year we have a day a week prayer fasting we have two hours a day as a team over 500 indigenous missionaries houses of prayer built all over the nation's so these national prayer gatherings are kind of the peak or the culmination of a lifestyle of prayer or prayer movements that are pushing down darkness by force, because the kingdom will be taken by force. So at the end of these national prayer gatherings, we see headlines in the paper changed. Dictator removed from office. Uh, another uh, After another year of prayer, this was in 2019 or 220. the death sentence for converting from Islam to Christianity has been lifted. We can take the gospel freely now into Sudan. And so all of these uh, kind of magnitude events we're seeing in conjunction to these prayer movements. And I really believe that God means exactly what he said in 2 Chronicles 7.14, that if he can find people to meet his conditions of humility, prayer, turning from our way, seeking his face, he is so capable of healing environments, opening doors of, uh, of opportunity, binding the strong man so we can spoil the goods of the harvest and so on and so forth. So prayer is a lifestyle over there. It's not optional. It's life and death. It's a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's a movement. And the prayer force is gaining Momentum. And it's through the power of prayer, as well as the business of prayer, because it is the business of heaven. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. But it's the power of of corporate prayer that we're watching God bind strongholds over regions, as we see in Daniel chapter 9 and 10, so that nations and tribes and villages and communities come into spiritual freedom then we can go gain and reap the harvest with with our missionary teams we send out it's just a picking up of the spoils basically that have been won in the warfare and the battle on our knees so we we train the indigenous missionaries there i say i say we i went alone I'm still the only Westerner on the uh, in favor international in South Sudan, and we're in eight nations now with over 500 missionaries and seeing five to six thousand people come to Jesus a month with discipleship. So we train. Okay.
1: Rewind just what you said back up to where you said you're the only Westerner there. Clarify that, and then the number of missionaries and the number of people. Rewind that last three sentences, if you would, for me.
0: Okay. There are other organizations and ministries, so I want to make that clear, but in favor international, I'm the only Westerner working in South Sudan. We have a base in Uganda also amongst over 500 indigenous missionaries that that I've raised up now with a management and leadership team working with me, all indigenous, to multiply the missionary movement that is is following prayer movements. So over 500 now, we activate and send them and we train them in prayer, in worship, in missions, evangelism, women empowerment, trauma healing, working with youth. But now we're in eight nations and they're being sent out literally as a spiritual army. These are radical New Testament believers ready to die for their faith in juba i just finished two months of, of, of equipping 240 of them from eight nations and when you say how many want to go to morocco and libya and algeria and ready to die for your faith we got to get the gospel out the time is short every single hand will shoot up in the air and say here send us send us we're ready to go and i said at the cost of your life of course, they said, why wouldn't we give what's temporal to gain it, what's eternal? Our eternity is theirs is not. And that was really Jim Elliott's words. He's no fool who, you know, gives what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. So this is the radical, uh, the breed of New Testament believers that I'm watching God raise up through the ashes of post-war because of prayer movements. Now, if we didn't have prayer movements, I cannot see this kind of missionary movement being ignited at this force. And so, when I say five to 6,000 a month are coming to Jesus with discipleship, that's even sometimes underestimated because we can't count them fast enough. We train the trainers based on 2 Timothy 2 2. They go out and we're seeing four and five and six and seven. I mean, levels and generations of multiplication. Of discipleship making movements happen at an accelerated rate, but still rooted and grounded in the word because of prayer. People say, Well, what's the secret? I said, There's no secret. You got the same Bible as we do, it's in the book of Acts. Look how fast the church grew, but they prayed daily. They broke bread and they prayed together daily. And then God added to the numbers, and just a few men turned the world upside down. If we, if we stay in one place praying, we're never going to advance the church. So prayer motivates and moves the church to be on the offensive. I used to think when the word said in, in Matthew 12, 29, that the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take up by force, that we were going to grab it back from the devil by force. Uh, areas of dark from holes, from the government to education systems and all of these things. Well, that's one way to look at it. But now I'm seeing a different picture in the last few years. I'm seeing God raise such an army out of dry bones, just as he did in Ezekiel 37. And he said to Ezekiel, can they live? He said that was the army of Israel, but their hope was gone. Bring them back to life and then flesh and then breath in their air. So out of nothing, God created an army. Same in Micah 4, crippled, lame, blind. He said, that's my army. And so when God raises an army, even out of ashes, and unites them with a passion and a purpose the force of prayer that completely takes possession of the church of the lord jesus christ ignites us to be a movement that movement reminds me of the nile river i cross the nile river every time i go north and then up to juba and i see this rushing five five level white water you know that would mow anybody down if it got in its way that's the way I picture the church when we become a prayer movement we knock down every every obstacle of darkness standing in our way and that's the force of God invading the darkest of dark situations and calling it his territory staking out the ground because when you move God in everything else has to move out darkness dissipates light no matter what I mean light dissipates darkness no matter what level we're talking about truth dispels deception no matter what level so we're watching this force come in and take back nations and yes we're using uh, we're using vehicles of street street kids ministries when when we have to, we have over 200 kids now in sex trafficking prostitution criminals drugs and they started getting saved we're baptizing 100 a month and I said, Lord, what am I going to do with all these kids? They've been sleeping in coffins, living under bridges. And he said, you asked me for laborers, didn't you? And I said, well, yes, but I didn't think you're going to bring this kind, you know. And so he said, well, he said, that's the kind I choose. He said, now you, you, I'm going to hold my, my body, my church responsible to take these babies, to take these murderers and mercenaries and turn them into missionaries, to take these prostitutes and turn them into preachers and prophets. I said, okay, let's go for it. And so we've started, and we're watching God do that supernaturally. And now they're coming in and getting emotionally healed and delivered and discipled and go- going through our Bible school and, and learning Arabic and saying, send me to the nations. So, this process of transformation, transform people will transform a nation. It happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the foundation of all of it is by prayer. So, through prayer, we are also going in and and spiritual mapping. We identify what's the stronghold in this region. Lord, show us, Holy Spirit, we need to understand. And then we go into corporate prayer and fasting as we watch God bind the strongman. This kind comes not out except by prayer and fasting. So we're watching God through prayer and fasting address this kind and set the captive free.
1: Carol, this is just quite remarkable. I, I kind of, got parked in my own heart and brain back on 77 hours, Mm -hmm. 11 hours a day, seven days a week. I just, I don't know that Americans would ever do such a thing unless they faced what the Sudanese face. Yes. And when you're faced with crises of that magnitude, then I suppose we would go to a stadium 11 hours a day for seven days that that you're gripping my heart profoundly a conviction and i see why god's anointing is 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 upon you uh just continue on with giving us you've got more time i just want to turn you loose rather than me ask a specific question what is the lord laying on your heart to continue to teach us about spiritual warfare because even though we as americans may not be nearly where we need to be on this issue now it appears like the environmental conditions could push us there yes very quickly
0: yes
1: Uh, you understand america as well you understand where we are and we've watched countries flip in a moment and go the wrong direction and uh and, and so continue to teach us because what you're saying is so important My friend, Andrew Brunson, who was in prison for two years in Turkey is a pastor, Mm -hmm. the thing that he says, and I've talked to him about this quite a few times, the things that he says to me that most troubles me is when he said when he went to prison, he was shocked at how spiritually unprepared he was. Mm. This is a man who pastored successfully. I say successfully, meaning he was faithful to God. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was recently in Turkey and we we walked down the street and went to his church. He he's not there anymore, the resurrection church. We stood out in front of him and prayed and thanked mm. the Lord for Andrew Brunson and the influence he's having now internationally. And uh, he's a good, he's a good brother. And and I've talked to him about this because it troubles my heart when I think when I think about here's a man who had a PhD in New Testament studies. Mm. It's like he hadn't paid the price in diligence to understand the word. Mm-hmm. And he's a man of, of deep integrity and faithfulness. And yet when he was in prison, mm-hmm. he was shocked how spiritually unprepared he was. Mm-hmm. And that's the cry of his heart. What he's trying to prepare mm-hmm. Christians for what could be a potential persecution. Mm-hmm. And we're not giving up on the great revival, but the great revival may come as a result of intense persecution in your country. 62 years of civil war have created a seedbed mm-hmm. for the gospel yeah. to explode this way. And after they faced the threat of civil war for 62 years, you ask them to die. Yeah, that's where we've been anyway. Yeah, uh, and, and it could be that Americans are going to be taught some of these lessons mm-hmm. in a, a manner in which we did not want to lose them. Mm-hmm. That being the case, Carol, teach us mm-hmm. more about mm-hmm. spiritual warfare. Continue, Amen. please.
0: Amen. Amen. As we know that prayer is the business of heaven because Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us in Hebrews 7.25. He told us to pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that means it's not going to come without prayer. He taught us to pray that way. So we want to see God's kingdom invade our economy, our government, our schools, our education, all parts of society. Only going to happen through prayer the way that I see the church in America when I came back from Africa this time I said Lord where's your bride and he said in the lap of Delilah I said the lap of Delilah he said yeah remember Samson he was doing exploits taking whole nations of the enemy down through the strength that God supernaturally gave him he said the strength of the church is in prayer Corporate prayer and private prayer, because that's where Jesus's strength came from. The power and the ability of the New Testament church. And we have put our head in the lap of complacency or compromise and, and, and flirting with the world, so to speak, and, and sedation. And so when the enemy wore Samson down, wore him down to give in and give up the secret of his strength. The enemy was able to cut it off and cut his hair as he slept. He was woken up with the call, Samson, the Philistines are on you. And he woke up suddenly and realized his strength was gone. And so he had no ability then to stand against the Philistines at that time. And of course, he lost his vision and he became a prisoner of the enemy. And I just thank God that hair grows back again that god can teach not only his church to regain the secret of our strength and why prayer is so critical to the secret of our strength it's not a meeting it's a lifestyle because it is the business of jesus it is what he calls us as the help me to partner and to be one with him in the business of heaven seated with him in heavenly places making intercession we're to stand between the living and the dead number 1648 we're to see intercession become interception ahead of time warding off the plans of attack god has secrets to share with his church if we're hearing in the places of prayer now prayer prayer brings us into position for revival So I believe it's a wake-up call, but it will bring us into the position of loving what he loves. I don't think we're going to be ready for the harvest, Jim, walking through our doors, because it's going to look like a train wreck. A thousand broken, messed up lives, emotionally, physically, in identity, sex identity, all kinds of things, addictions. And and they're going to, occult. they're going to walk in through the doors or, or approach the bride of Christ, the Ecclesia, and are we going to love them like Jesus loved them? Have we given birth to them in the place of prayer? Is he going to trust that kind of a harvest with a bride that doesn't, isn't walking in her first love? He doesn't want to give his children to a prostitute bride. He wants to give them to a bride in love with him. Prayer will prepare us to contain the children and the offspring that God wants to bring into the kingdom in this coming days through the revival and the great awakening. Plus, prayer is going to protect us from all of that assault. It doesn't mean necessarily that we won't lose our life, but we're going to be in prayer. We're joined to Christ. So, so walking away from his heart, 1 Corinthians 6 17 whoever's joined to the Lord is one with him and we find that happening in the place of prayer. So God builds the first love back in his bride prepares her heart uses us to travail and give birth to the harvest he wants to bring in and as far as the spiritual warfare uh, birthing is part of prayer but battling is too. So we t- I, I teach all kinds of prayer two by two prayer Closet prayer, corporate prayer, concert prayer like we do in Africa, birthing prayer, battling prayer. In the battling prayer, we're seeing more and more families that have lost children uh, as prodigals to systems of the world or, or darkness or bondage beyond words. And I weep with them and I look at them and say, but God has not left us hopeless or powerless. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He's equipped us. But there's strategies and tactics which we must understand on how to do battle for an individual prodigal, a child, or communities, or regions, or governments, or or, or states. Uh, otherwise why would god have given us the power of the holy spirit for our jerusalem judea samaria and the ends of the earth well it's the holy spirit that not only equips us with that power yes but prays through us with groanings that not be uttered in romans eight twenty six. so all of that is the ministry of the holy spirit as well as the gifts and the leading of the spirit so we go into battle led by the spirit and we ask him help us to identify the stronghold now what is your battle strategy for this we never assume that god's battle strategies are the same for each city david's strategies and instructions for taking over the philistines or facing goliath was very different than joshua's for jericho or, or or gideon's you know when when he went out with the clay pots and the candle all the different instructions god gave because he wanted his people dependent upon him not on our own you know strategies so we depend on heaven strategies and he's faithful to speak them. Fasting is a huge part of our spiritual battle. But when I teach spiritual warfare, I teach spiritual mapping, identifying strategies, and then getting instructions from the throne room. And then the, the principles we must know as believers, know your God, know your weapons. And this is whole teachings on each one of these. And, and are you hidden with Christ inside of God? Or are, you, are you doing battle from a position of... Ephesians 1 seated with him in heavenly places do you know what your weapons are the blood the word the, the weapons of our warfare you know it's Ephesians 6 so on and so forth and then and then know your enemy we're not to be ignorant of his wiles we've been so deceived so gullible because he's come as an angel of light and we swallowed lies and deceptions that have had a little bit of truth mixed with them but enough for us to swallow like the red apple you know that Eve bit into, and so, so with that deception, we've got to be, we've got to be so freed in our heart to hear from the Holy Spirit. What are you saying in this battle plan? Know your weapons. Know your, know your battle at that point. Get your instructions from the Lord, and then finally, know your victory. We never fight from a position of defeat. We don't fight as as being the victim. We fight knowing that we have already been seated with him in heavenly places and we are the victor more than conquerors now does that mean we won't go through a difficult time of course we will but i really believe that even though most of the new testament church were martyrs the the disciples all were except for john but they went out with victory they didn't go out with the, the victim mentality because we can't overcome like that joshua and caleb knew that you know, uh, they knew who they were seated with him. But the other 10 spies didn't recognize that. And so God waited for the doubt and unbelief to die out. You can't take doubt and unbelief to battle. You have to know that you know what your God said and what he promised and what his word says. And he holds his word above his name. So when we pray 77 hours, we're praying the word of God. We're praying scripture over the situations. And we're praying in faith and we're praying, but leaving because he's a God of exploits. There are still greater works to come because he said greater works than these will you do. Well, I don't know how many have raised more dead than Jesus yet. And so have we been walking in the greater works? Not yet. And he said, and those who know their God will do exploits. There are greater works and exploits still to come. And I believe that prayer is going to bring in the force and position us as the ecclesia as the bride individually and corporately for those greater works and those exploits and and i love the the picture of elijah when he went up the mountain in mark carmel first kings 18 he went up and he invited all darkness to come and watch what his god was going to do so he wasn't afraid of him and he didn't go into hiding he said all of you witch doctors prophets of Baal, antichrist come on come on up here watch my god and so they were invited To this manifestation of the presence of God. Not only did fire fall. And of course there's a lot of things around building the altar and the water and so forth. But after fire fell. Elijah had prophesied. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. There was no thunder and there was no cloud. But in the spirit he knew that he knew the will and the mind of God. And he spoke it. Now everybody else went off to party. But one man stayed to pray and he said wait a minute there's a nation at stake and this is where a lot of us are in the church too we've seen the fire we've seen exploits we've seen the prophets of Baal may be slaughtered and the enemy pushed back some you know darkness pushed back and so we're ready to go have a party you know we're ready to just oh let's let's celebrate well that's great that's great but there's still a nation at stake who wants to put their face to the ground and give birth and travail like a woman giving birth and there's a lot in the bible about birthing in Isaiah 66 and, and Joel 2 and Jeremiah 31 Rachel weeping for his, her children and Daniel 9 and Revelations 12 birthing 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 and so he knew a nation is at stake and he puts his face to the ground not to pray on his timetable but to pray until heaven opened and reigned. Came over a nation. And Hosea 10:12 says, it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and reign righteousness upon us, to break up the fallow ground of our hearts, until he reigns the righteousness on our nation. Not just 40 days, not just 21 days, until. Well, that's a movement. That's a movement. In other words, there's no stopping until God rents heavens. We, and so this is what we're seeing in Africa is, is a movement that's increasing in momentum. And as I as I move around America and teach prayer for th- three days, three days, three days, we don't learn to pray reading a book. You don't learn to pray listening to a preacher or sitting in a pew or, or in a chair. You learn to pray by praying. So when I, I set aside three nights in different churches that asked me to come and I said, I'm going to teach for an hour and then we're going to pray for two hours. And we're going to do this for three nights in a row. One, one place Anaheim said, no, you come seven nights. Three nights isn't enough. So we're going to do seven nights. And then we have sometimes in places we do all night prayer meetings. And so whatever the hunger level is, my heart cry is, God, take us to another level in prayer. Wherever we are now, take us to another level because we want to see what we've never seen. We got to do what we've never done to go where we've never gone yet as the as the ecclesia and we have a
1: waste
0: we still have ways to go ahead of us we're not finished and neither is God and there's a harvest at stake. so pray to the Lord of the harvest because the laborers are few well we're the laborers so we're going to pray ourselves into the very will of God and be prepared to handle the birthing of his children which is which is a generation of of souls of lost and you know what? You know why we feel that urgency? Because if Jesus said in John chapter 4, it is white, the fields are white now, that means they're ripe. Right now, if we don't get to the harvest, it's rotten tomorrow. We've lost it. And we're already getting given an account for a lot of the harvest we've lost in America. So there is an urgency in the heart of the Holy Spirit to wake up his bride and get us in a position to be prepared for the souls he wants to give birth to through his bride by the power of the holy spirit and that means being positioned in prayer first i believe we have to see a revival of prayer before we're going to see a revival of the outpouring of, of 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 the miraculous And and that's all the work of the Holy Spirit. The prayers, the miraculous, the outpouring signs, wonders, and miracles will follow. Just this this week in Africa, we finished seven days, another seven days of prayer and fasting, 77 hours. We did a few weeks ago. God stopped Ebola. We just did enough. And they went out and raised a girl from the dead. So we're seeing all these miracles happen. Not that that's what we're after, but God uses the miraculous to bring the lost into the kingdom and that's why we're seeing so many come in five to six thousand monthly it is the work of the holy spirit
1: i uh, feel like i'm standing in front of a burning bush oh. and this is holy ground i need to uh, figuratively remove my shoes and uh i think any me asking questions would uh, be an intrusion on the stage that has been set for us going into prayer Folks, you've been listening to Carol Ward from South Sudan, Africa, who's in the States at the current time. I do have to break in with one question because they're going to want to know how to get in contact with you. What is your website? Do you have this teaching available by video? How yeah. could you? Uh, how could people get in contact with you and, and pick up some of your materials?
0: Yes, the website address is FaberIntl.org. And that is favor o r f a v o r i n t l dot and on the website by clicking in, you can find much more min- information about the ministry and the work in Africa. But there will also be a link to three teachings on spiritual warfare that have been done, as well as um, other sharing on missions. Uh, there's also info at favor i n t l org if you have any further questions of cities i might be traveling in and sharing more about prayer
1: okay the intl is an abbreviation for international so f-a-v-o-r f-a-v-o-r-i-n-t-l uh, yes dot org yeah uh, you can put an info at uh, in front of that and you can contact uh, carol ward that particular way